Hey everyone, welcome to episode 141 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. Disappointed there was no Mario yells then. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week uh, I'm going to give my closing thoughts on Ashen. Uh, we're going to talk about the... Uh, Double pack of Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Uh, Andrew's been busy, and he's going to talk about Halloween Forever, Undermine, and Little Nightmares 2. Uh, so with that, let's just get straight into the updates from the previous episode, which is me on Ashen. Okay, so uh, last week I, I had I was much of the way through Ashen, I gave you my uh, impressions on its structure, which was a lot of comparisons to Dark Souls, um, and with good cause, because the inspiration was obvious. Uh, now, I did say that much of the level design wasn't as tight, and the atmosphere wasn't as choking as some of uh, From's games. Um, well, the final few dungeons made me revise that opinion, because uh, some of those are just utterly pitch black. Um, choking atmosphere and full of the scary ghost enemies that will pounce you if you don't notice them. Overconfidence also led me getting uh, ganked a number of times by easier enemies also hidden in those dungeons. Um, so yeah, that was a, a proper callback to, to Dark Souls. Because of the, the mechanic where you can only hold a shield or your uh, lantern, uh, those last few dungeons are like areas where you just proper have to inch your way through and be absolutely certain. Uh, before progressing, because one mistake can see you right back at the beginning of the dungeon. Uh, the other thing that uh, I can confirm now that I've finished it is that it's much shorter than any of From's games. It, I've finished it in probably somewhere between 15 and 17 hours. Um, there are only five bo bosses in the whole thing. A couple of minor things that soured my experience. I, I did have a handful of bugs so in one of those pitch black dungeons. Um, the sound dropped completely. Um, and as you can imagine, when you can't see far in front of you, the noises and sound effects are hugely important. So that made that a lot more tense than it should have been. Um, and then I did have a hard crash in the run to the final boss, uh, which leads me on to the final boss, uh, the run to the final boss itself. Um, Andrew, I remember you when you were playing through Bloodborne, you, you mentioned how frustrating you find the run to the bosses if you fail. Uh, this final boss run just puts those to shame in the worst possible way. It is a, a lengthy journey to get back to the final boss after you get defeated. Did you mean Dark Souls? Because I didn't think the boss runs in Bloodborne were as bad. Uh, maybe you were making the comparison Maybe when I saw you tweet about it. Um, but yeah, so the, the boss run here is just almost aggravating. I managed to get avoiding most of the enemies down to a fine art, but there are two spots where it's like really easy to get bogged down. I feel like the Dark Souls does a better job of balancing the bosses with the run-up, so if if there's a lengthy run-up, the boss doesn't tend to be as difficult as the ones that uh, don't have a lengthy run-up. Uh, the second phase of this boss is incredibly difficult, and if you die, the run back to it just means that you, you're losing time of learning its attack patterns, uh, which was a bit disappointing. That said, uh, the final boss is the only time that I was 100% certain that I had another real player as my companion, uh, judging by all the rolling they were doing. 
and the amount of times they were able to heal. Uh, which was, uh, yeah, interesting seeing that in action. I was really struggling with that final boss until I had them, so I don't know if I feel cheated of beating it for myself, but that uh, not knowing if you have a proper companion or not is, is part of the experience. It's designed around that, so I can't be too angry about it. I do hope that they follow this game up with a sequel, uh, but I hope they keep it just as condensed as this. I don't think every Souls-like needs to be 40 to 50 hours long. Like I really appreciate having these uh, shorter bursts of that same sort of structure just uh, sort of fill in the gaps between uh, the big Souls-like releases. Uh, I hope they just expand on what they already have. So with that, uh, I picked up the DLC, actually. Uh, yesterday I still had some credit from uh, Christmas gifts, so I spent that. Uh, so I'm probably going to get back to that this week after I've finished with the uh, Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury pack. Um, I'm also very keen for Hellpoint on Switch now that we've, uh, we're getting more of this genre on here. So, uh, yeah, so that, that was Ashen. Just a couple of minor things that sour, soured it a little at the end, but, um, I still recommend. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, everything from its, uh, style and, and just those structures that I enjoy. Yeah, so that's it. I, I think we're still, uh, hungry for Switch news. We're still waiting for either a partner direct or any sort of direct at all. So uh, we'll just get on with what we've been playing. Okay, Andrew, you've been playing a lot, so we'll start with you. I think we'll break up 3D World and Bowser's Fury just to break things up a little bit. So uh, let's start with Halloween Forever. What's that about? Because I preferred Halloween and Robin. Still not laughing. Uh, (laughs) Halloween Forever is a retro platformer that I got a code from the publisher for, so thank you for that. Uh, It's... Obviously, from the title, a Halloween-themed retro-platformer, where uh, you play as a cast of different Halloween-themed characters. There's a uh, pumpkin man who vomits up candy to attack. There's Santa Pumpkin, who is Pumpkin Man dressed as Santa, who vomits up presents to attack. There's a uh, a ragdoll with a machine gun, and uh, there's a, a little succubus who can fly and spit fireballs. There's a, There's actually a pretty good collection of different characters to play as and you go through these scary levels with all the things you would expect you know there's a haunted forest there's a castle there's a haunted mansion which looks just like the castle <laughs> it's exactly what you're thinking especially since it's constructed like it's an old nes platformer so it's even more limited in what it's really able to be <laughs> from its inspirations Uh, But I still had a good time with it. It's super short and super hard, uh, which is where most of its longevity comes from, is uh, all the trial and error in it. And this again goes back to how how much like an NES platformer this is. I'll be walking down a hall, things are going fine, and then suddenly a thing drops down on my head from off screen. There's no way I could have known it was there, except to have already (laughs) played the level and know in advance that it's there. And... (laughs) There's a few places where you have to drop down blind pits and the only way to know if there's instant death at the bottom or where the safe place to land is to have already jumped down that pit before and know where the safe space is. So it's uh, it's built like that. And there, there's a few options to make your life a little easier. There's a, a 99 lives mode that you can activate that on other platforms disables achievements, but I 
can't really tell if there's actually any penalty for using it on Switch. So that, that's <laughs> nice. And there's a, a thing called Friendly Continues, which adds more checkpoints to each level. Or if uh, you really want to push yourself, you can actually activate one hit point mode, which is nice too. There are actually multiple paths through each level, and I have to find all of these paths if I want to unlock every character, and I can unlock one character on each run, so I have to replay the game quite a few times to unlock all the characters. So if you enjoy the game and you want to unlock everything, there's there's a, a bit here to keep you busy. And there's also six hidden runes that'll unlock a hidden ending for each character if you find all of them, and the runes are available to every character. But then there are also these burning pages, one hidden in each level that only the flying characters can reach. Um, I have no idea what these pages were alluding to. I found all of them, and nothing seemed to happen. Again, probably has more of an impact on a platform that has achievements. But I still enjoyed this. I think it's a good, you know, cheap platformer that uh, is Halloween-themed. So I think when October comes around again, if you're looking for, you know, a, a scary game that you can beat, in one night or just play for one night and have a good time with it. I think this would be a pretty solid choice. I, I did like Halloween forever, even though it sounded like I was complaining. I was really just describing it. It's very <laughs> NES pure game with intentionally built in all the problems of, you know, NES era platforming design. Uh, I liked it. Cool. I'm going to wait till they reboot it as Halloween begins. Sorry. I'm going to drop that now. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, move on then. Super Mario 3D World on Wii U was is I always counted as definitely one of my favorite uh, 3D Mario games, and that hasn't changed. I am already into World Six, just about to do the the final level in that, and I am just having one hell of a time playing this game. It's exactly as I remember it in that every level is an absolute banger. Um, and this includes some of my favorite levels in all of Mario. I think this is Nintendo on great level design duty. Everything from just the layouts to all the secrets to all the things you can find, uh, which is, you know, three stars in each level. Uh, and the stamp, which, you know, its impact is kind of lessened in this re-release. Particular shout-outs for me are the music, which is just phenomenal i think this is my favorite mario soundtrack ever and um, particularly yeah. the ghost house and the castle music in particular they they sort of sound like they should be out of final fantasy or something they're incredibly good i just enjoy this game it can also be credited for giving us you know captain toad uh, who also obviously span off to his, in his uh, his own game already released on switch yeah there's just so much to like uh, it's got my favorite power-ups. The cat suit is incredibly good. The boomerang suit is a, a favorite that I always try and hold on to whenever I have it. Uh, the only downside really is the cherries, because I just I, I struggle with the brain capacity to manage all those Marios at once, especially when you need to get four of them over to like a weight platform to, to trigger something. You should uh, like clarify what the cherries do. Yeah, so the cherries uh, duplicate your character, uh, and you can do that up to four times. So you'll have a, a little army of your character. You can do it much more than four times. Oh, you can? Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I've had like five or six before. Jesus. Although it's 3D World, it kind of 
straddles the line between 2D Mario and 3D Mario. It's a fixed uh, camera perspective. You still, like classic Mario, you have to get from one end of the level to the to the next and jump on the flagpole. Everything in between, that is just top-tier Nintendo for me. Tori, have you been playing this this week? Yes. Um, so I've just completed the fourth world. This is probably my favourite 3D Mario game. As good as Odyssey is, mm-hmm. 3D World just as it's a particular level design that I like. Every level is completely distinct in its art style and environment and mm-hmm. just how you approach it. Like you said, the music is just the best. Um, I think this is probably my favourite uh, Bowser theme mm-hmm. out of all the Mario games. Um, that said, also the Bowser levels with that sort of nighttime neon casino feel almost, mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. a circusy feel. It's just so unique to this game that you don't see it anywhere else. It's just fun to play. Um, I've been playing in short bursts, just so I don't blitz through it too quickly i mean we'll talk more about Bowser's fury but i focused on that this time because i've already finished 3d world it's fun to just play for the sake of playing this game the controls Mm -hmm. feel great the movement speed took a little bit of getting used to i've fallen off a couple of platforms (laughs) because they've increased it um so it feels a little slippery if you're used to the old game but it's not a deal breaker yeah i spent most of this afternoon going is it my favourite 3D Mario? And then I'd think back to Galaxy and how much I loved that just, you know, a few months back. And then I'm like, oh, maybe. Is it better than Odyssey? That, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, struggling struggling on that. Um, it is better than Super Mario 3D Land on 3DS, which I thought was also very decent. But this uh, sort of takes that formula and it expands on it in so many interesting and different ways that, uh, yeah, I, I love this one a lot. Andrew, did you pick it up? I didn't. I played this on Wii U actually back in the January, just before the Switch came out, back in January 2017. And mm. when I finished it, I just I felt nothing towards it. it. Like, I didn't dislike it, and but I also didn't like it. So I just have no <laughs> desire to get it on Switch. Certainly not until, you know, it gets a price drop, but if anything is going to get a price drop, it would have happened by now. So I I think Nintendo is not going to have the $20 collector's editions on switch. It would have Mm -hmm. happened by now, I think. (laughs) So I I just may never get this one unless I can get a really good deal from it secondhand from somebody. Cause I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't care for this one. That's a shame. Um, I think for me as well, part of that is because, I didn't have a Nintendo console for quite a while. I had my GameCube, but I never got around to Sunshine. I had a Wii for a little bit, and then I, I uh, had to sell it for money at the time. And then this was like my first proper 3D Land aside, my first proper reintroduction to the series, and it was just uh, one of those like um, reaffirming joy moments where it's like, holy crap, I've missed this. Even having played like. The, the whole 2D series last year, I played through, you know, much of the 3D collection. Um, this is still very much up there, and it, it's making me ask some serious questions about my <laughs> 3D ranking. How are you doing for styles on this one, Tori? Uh, I don't move forward until I've completely found everything okay. in the level. 
I uh, when I played it originally, um, I was just not caring. So I would just I, that's how I tend to play these games as well. I'll just play through, you know, get to the end of the level until I have a need where I need to go back and get some stars to get me through to the next section. You know, I, I usually catch enough naturally in a playthrough that that's not really a thing that needs to happen all that often. Uh, so with this one, I, I would say I've got most of them. Um, I'm aided by my memory on this one. Memory and just like getting used to Mario level design. Yeah. Like where where would I hide it if I was mm-hmm. you know making this in Mario Maker or something? Yeah. Um, and I I also talked uh, last week about how much uh, Sackboy Big Adventure riffed on this and revisiting uh, this this weekend has really hammered home how, just how much of a love letter that is to this game. One last thing I wanted to mention as well was the online functionality. Oh yeah, you you are a multiplayer pillar, the person that will actually play with other people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I played with a couple of friends, just a couple of levels to test it out. It works. Um, it's not like Super Mario Maker where it was just a slideshow. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a little couple dips here and there, but it, this is probably the smoothest Nintendo online experience that I've had mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, easy to set up, easy to join, and it just works the same as playing in the same room. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, when I played it through originally, I did co-op with, with my wife, um, and that is as mayhem-filled as the, the new Super Mario Brothers series, where you're just accidentally knocking into each other and throwing each other off platforms and things. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's worth mentioning that whoever's hosting, you're playing on that person's save file. Oh, okay. So if you really hate that person, you can just waste all their lives. <laughs> In terms of the the secret uh, worlds that you get after you've beaten the, you know, the two uh, Bowser themed levels, um, I'll just see how I'm going uh, for those, and you know, if I feel like it, I'll I'll double back and get more stars if I'm close enough to to fully beating it. I didn't really bother with that the first time. I think I finished everything but Champion Road. Yeah. And yeah, Captain Toad, he, he still sounds like he yells Diaper Adventure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Super Mario 3D World. Definitely a recommend from me. Uh, I assume so from Tori. Yes. And Andrew's a no. I'm a not interested. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, so we'll move on. We'll come back to Bowser's Fury in a minute. Uh, so, Undermine, uh, which is a procedurally generated dungeon crawler uh, from my small look at the store earlier yeah it's a procedurally generated dungeon crawler which means you go into the dungeon with your character you go as far as you can and then when you die uh you have to start over with uh some of the loot that you found saved for you so you can buy some upgrades Uh, i got a review code for this one as well from (laughs) carter dotson friend of the show thank you again uh I was really only supposed to play Little Nightmares 2 this week, and then people started like, hey, you want codes? I was like, sure. (laughs) I'm not going to turn down free games. Uh, But in Undermine, you play as a peasant who drops down into a mine shaft. Presumably they're poor and need some money. The game doesn't really elaborate. Uh, The player character in this is, is not very detailed or involved. And as soon as they drop down into the mine, they meet a wizard. Uh, named Arkanos the Archmage, who tasks the peasant with exploring the mine, finding out why there's all these dang earthquakes going on. 
and the rest of Arkanosis floor is filled with other things that are clearly things that are going to be filled in. There's like a blacksmith shop, there's a potion shop, there's some empty stalls where merchants can set up, but none of these things are filled in. And if you've played a proc gen dungeon crawler, you know where this is going. <laughs> so I drop down into the dungeon, and the, the first area in the game is the gold mine, and that's what it is. It's a completely standard gold mine. It's filled with these jelly blob enemies who hop after you, and, uh, you know, bats and spiders and things like that. And in every room, you have to fight all these enemies off to unseal the doors, and then you can leave the room and go into the next one. And in, in most rooms, there's also gold that's either stuck into the walls or stuck onto a, an item in the middle of the room, and you can smack those with your pickaxe, and that'll release the gold, and you can go around and try to pick it all up. And these little enemies called pilfers will spawn. Uh, I, I shouldn't call them enemies because they're not actually hostile. They can't actually hurt you, but they will try to steal your gold, and you need that gold. <laughs> uh, and Deeper into the dungeon, you can also find Thorium. Now, you're also accompanied by a familiar, and as you play the game, you unlock a bunch of different familiars, but the one you have at the start is my favorite because it will go and pick up gold for you, and it actually increases the amount of gold that you get. So early on in the game when you're just starting out, this pair, uh, canary familiar is your best friend. And after you die with your current peasant, the familiar will actually pick up your little loot sack filled with all the gold and the thorium that you picked up and we'll take it back to the entrance and give it to the next peasant you're going to play as and you can then spend all that gold that was saved on upgrades from the merchants that you saved from deeper down into the dungeon like you can go to the blacksmith you can spend your gold to upgrade your pickaxe so it deals more damage to upgrade your armor so uh, you have more health or you can take it to the potion shop and you can buy an upgrade that'll increase the amount of time that your potions last because the potions have effects like passive health regeneration or makes you spit fire, things like that. Or I can take it over to the wizard. The wizard sells a bunch of interesting items like uh, Gecko's foot that increases the range at which you can grab items. Or a, you can buy salt from him that increases the... Uh, healing ability of food or you can spend thorium to buy relics and relics increase your character's abilities you can find one in each floor all this should probably sound really familiar if you played a game like this <laughs> uh, like relics might make it so when you throw your pickaxe then it uh, makes a spark of electricity when it hits an enemy or makes it so that way your boots are steel-lined, and when you walk over spikes, you just crush the spikes. And when you buy these upgrades, they get added to the, the pool of items that will appear randomly in each dungeon run. So basically, you just have to keep playing, playing through, uh, doing the best you can to get as much gold and thorium as put together as you can, and eventually you'll spend enough gold on upgrades that you can get down to the lower levels and uh, eventually you'll get a good random assortment of items put together that'll make you strong enough that you can get down. You, you just That's just the nature of games like this. You just have to keep playing until you get a good roll <laughs> so that way you can go on. Sometimes you'll just get bad items and there's nothing you can really do about that. It's just a bad run, you're going to die, and that's how it is. In the first area, after a couple hours of 
grinding up gold to upgrade all my various stats, I got down to the first boss, who is Silk the Sandworm. That's where all of those earthquakes are coming from. And you defeat Silk, and Silk drops this little sigil, which, after the next time I died, the canary brought the sigil back up to the top, and my next peasant showed that sigil to the Archmage, and he was like, oh, I recognize that thing. There's a king, yada, 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 sealed away, yada, yada, yada. You got to find all five of these sigils to unseal him, then you can defeat him and stop him from doing whatever, yada, yada. You know, that kind of story. Uh, <laughs> uh, after the gold mine, I got down into areas like the Delvemore Dungeons, and then after that, there was another boss. Then I got down to the Halls of Din, and that's kind of where I'm stuck, because this game does have a, a pretty high difficulty curve. I, I'm really having to basically stop in each area and get my stats up high enough that I'm able to compete in the next area that I have unlocked, but the monsters there are just way too strong for me to actually fight. I think this is a really good game. This has a really high rating from the types of people who like to play these games, uh, but I don't think this is going to be the kind of game that is uh, going to convince anybody. Like, it, if you haven't played Hades yet, then this game might be too hard for you, might overwhelm you, you might not get it. But if you played Hades and you liked Hades and you're ready for something else in that style, uh, this might be a solid choice for you to jump onto. But I enjoy it. Uh, it's a really well-made proc-gen dungeon crawler with meta progression. Uh, but it doesn't do anything new. I mean, like, really, if you look at this game, it looks a lot like The Binding of Isaac. And <laughs> that's, that's not too far away from what it is except its uh stat progression systems are really more like rogue legacy and that's what this game is uh, hmm. it's solidly made it's fun if you're into this kind of thing but it's not doing anything new okay uh, it sounds like a, a solid entry in the genre uh okay well uh, let's move on we'll talk about uh bowser's fury uh which is the second part of the uh Super Mario 3D World chat. So Bowser's Fury is kind of packed in like it's DLC, but it's really its own game. And it is basically like a Keiju-flavored take on Mario. Uh, Bowser has gone incredibly ragey uh, to the point where he's poisoned this world that you're in at regular intervals throughout. He will unleash his rage at you wherever you are, uh, which changes the landscape of the level you're in. Uh, it'll rain fire down, and he will try and blast you with like a, a fire beam as well. That adds a, a couple of uh, interesting things. But uh, the the first thing to say is that it this one sort of lets go of the fixed camera perspectives of 3D World. This is more in line with Mario Sunshine uh, or Mario 64, where you can move the camera around in, you know, 360 degrees. Odyssey, of course, also uh, included in that. The next interesting thing is that uh, it's kind of a, an open world. So every level kind of leads to the next level. Eventually, you'll unlock Nessie, who can help you explore the water areas and go to different islands. Nessie. Yeah, Plessy, sorry, not Nessie. Yeah, so that that's a really interesting thing, uh, which changes up the formula a little bit, but not much. So, uh, similar format, you'll go into a level, you'll have to get the uh, the MacGuffin, which in this one is called a Cat Shine, 
that's usually just found at the opposite end of the level. You'll have to navigate the, the level's dangers, etc. But if you leave and come back, then it will reload and give you a different objective. So as with much of the 3D Marios, there's like five cat shines to find in every level. They're done through typical missions. So one of them is, you know, uh, chase down Shadow Luigi, uh, catch uh, five fragments of a, a shine... Uh, that sort of thing. Now, I've only done the first level and done the first boss fight. Uh, do those uh, mission types change up much at all, Tori? I mean, there's kind of like a, a theme going through all of the levels where there's the first shine is just normal. Then they all typically have the collect five fragments. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the collect the blue coins. They have the get to the platform in 20 seconds. Mm. I wouldn't say it's samey, but it, it there is a pattern between all of the different islands. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, the, the other thing to mention here is that everything in this uh, game is a cat. So you've got cat bushes, <laughs> you've got cat trees, there are cat seagulls, work that one out, cat rainbows, everything's a cat, which is delightful. Uh, so, uh, the other interesting thing is, so when you're in a level and... Uh, Bowser does his rage thing. There are sections of the levels that you can only reach when he's in a rage mode because he'll drop these big heavy platforms down, which you can destroy if you're not careful enough. Um, but I, I thought that was a really uh, neat use of uh, you know the gimmick with Bowser here was just to change up the way a level can work on, on the fly. I thought that was really cool. Uh, what did you make of that? So some of the shines can only be collected using that Mm-hmm. sort of fury mode yeah and um i kind of had to do them all at once getting collecting a shine cancels fury mode immediately mm-hmm. yeah and when you have a whole bunch to get that all need fury mode it, it was kind of annoying having to wait yeah if you have a bowser amiibo you can scan it and make it mad immediately Ooh. okay that's good to know but if you don't have that amiibo i didn't know that until it was 99 shines out of 100 so, <laughs> um, the the other thing as well, if you collect all five shines in a level, Bowser kind of moves to a different location. I thought that was cool. He he covers his eyes to sort of uh, get away from the shine from the the lighthouse that ends every level uh, and moves moves to a different position. I thought that was cool. Um, so interspersed between these uh, levels are uh, shrines, not shines. Uh, that when you have enough shines. <laughs> You can unlock the shrine, uh, and that will give Mario a gigantic cat bell that makes him also go keiju. And then you embroil in this, uh, you know, keiju Mario versus keiju Bowser boss fight around, like, the, the levels all miniature and stuff. It, it looks really cool. Uh, so the first one you need five. Uh, that's the only one I've done. I assume the others increase in number the more you progress. Yeah, I think it's like 15, then 13, then 50. But the good thing is, is that every time you fight him, he's got some new moves. Oh, okay. That was my other question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, one of the cool little details I liked is uh, when Bowser's dormant, he sinks into the gunk, and you can see a few spikes uh, sticking out in the distance, and he'll slowly rotate upwards. So you can always tell when he's about to blow uh, at any point. That sounded not safe for work, but okay, we'll go with it. 
the other thing I like is that so in the first level there are five cats of different color, like proper cats, not cat Mario things. Um, and when he's raging, they'll turn purple. They'll get their hackles up and have fat tails like cats when they're angry. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my my only impressions are good. It, it seems uh, inventive. It's got some cool gimmicks and uh, interesting things of its own. Uh, my only worry is that it is just going to end up feeling like 3D Mario, which you know it's fine. You buy you buy these games to have a specific experience. Um, not sure it's as inventive as like Odyssey was, but you know opinions on the internet completely dissent from that. Everyone thinks it's the best thing ever, so I can't really comment till I finish. How are you on that aspect? Where where do you rank it now that you've beat it? Uh, I really liked it. Um, there's a couple of things as well that you haven't mentioned yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Bowser Jr. Oh yes. Uh, um, so there's certain things that he can he can paint the wall and yep. give you power ups and golden pipes and things. But he also helps you with enemies. Bowser Jr. joins you uh, after you get rid of the tutorial area. Uh, he'll offer his help. He'll ask you how much you want him to help you, uh, which defaults to very little. So occasionally you'll hit an enemy yeah keep it at that i'd recommend yeah if you're a mario yeah uh the the other thing yeah you can find graffiti on the wall similar to sunshine and if you point him at it uh you can do you can do the cursor thing which is something we didn't mention in 3d world actually all the touchscreen functionality is managed the same as in 3d all-stars in that you have a cursor you can use you can bring that up by tapping the right bumper that makes it over into bowser's fury uh you can click on the, the graffiti and then he'll paint it and then you'll get an item or it'll unlock a secret or something like that. Yeah, and that's just basic touchscreen controls if you're playing handheld. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you can also point him at enemies as well to, to send him to attack and I found that out. Oh, I didn't know that. Or at least he charged over there. So whether I was, you know, it was a coincidence that he headed in that direction and attacked who I was trying to aim at. The other thing that I really liked about this was while... All of the islands have, you know, five shines each. Mm -hmm. You can also find shines in between levels, like in the open world. Yes. That felt much more Odyssey-like. Yeah. Uh, My first one was the uh, Tordy Cat that was missing its baby. Yeah. Which was on the same island. Yeah. (laughs) There's another one where it's three and then another one where it's five. Ah. And they're very far away. (laughs) Yeah, this one, it was like, it's just over there. It's you can yes. see it. <laughs> I think I think that's just a this is a, a yeah. thing to get used to. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of like miniature puzzles where it's just like one shine. Yeah. Um there's like sort of sprint races with Plessy as well. Yeah. Oh, that's which are cool. also really fun. But um and, and the island variation actually does increase because I thought it was just gonna be kind of the same theme throughout, but mm-hmm. You start moving into like a sort of snowy area, and then there's a volcano and a castle. And in Mario games, are you are you crazy? Oh, well, the the thing <laughs> is, <laughs> typically yes, but because it was all in the same lake, I thought there were, all the islands would be yeah, pretty samey. Uh, that's fair. You thought they were all going to be tropical themed, and yeah, yeah or, or whatever the first island was, I thought that was going to be the whole game. So mm. I was really grateful. Even the trees are cats. <laughs> You quite liked it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the power-up system. You can bank 
Yes, sorry, I have that on my notes. Sorry, you you can explain it. Um, So basically, Bowser Jr. can hold five of every power-up type. Mm -hmm. And at any moment, you can swap between them. Um, I think this is because it's an open world. Some puzzles are easier or require certain power-ups, like the cat Mm -hmm. climbing walls or the tanuki suit kind of giving you a bit of a glide or even just the boomerang. Um, the fact that it gives you that choice and it can hold so many, I, it was almost like it not made it too easy because the dying doesn't have much consequence other than a fairly long loading screen. Yeah. It, it was just interesting. Yeah. They, they don't usually give you that much power with your power ups. Um, we can like have like 25 if- power ups total. Yeah, and in 3D world, like, you can switch between two yeah. uh, at any one time. This is just, it just takes that and ramps it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think you're right. It does relate to the puzzles and you needing to be able to find something on the fly. But you, usually in traditional Mario design, they would just hide the power up that you need nearby somewhere. Yeah. Well, they do that with the propeller boxes and some mm-hmm. levels, but that's it. Yeah. But, like, with the... Uh, the example you used, there was one of the um, puzzles in the first level where there's a a cliff you need to scale as the cat and hold on to the, the grill before it spins. Uh, and that that's like a cat-specific one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there are also things that only Bowser can break for you. So there's like, they're called fury bricks that will block off stuff. Um, and you have to try and uh, tease them into attacking you. Uh, by by standing still near an area and then getting the hell out of dodge when he starts firing. I did like that when he's about to fire, the entire area that is vulnerable lights up. Mm-hmm. It very clearly shows you <laughs> where the safe cover is. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, I'm one level down. Uh, I've opened up a portion of the open world, but I'm going to go ahead and do that second level first. Um, I think they just... They know that... Not everyone's going to be completionist on this, so they they give you the ability to skip, you know, through a couple of levels to try and get your your first five to get that first boss fight done. You do get a warp ability to move between uh, islands. Oh, good! After you beat the the final boss. Ah, oh, that's once. good. So you can just skip through and get the 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 different levels. The good thing is, is that you can warp to another island, and if you need to do something with Bowser's fury mode. Mm-hmm. It's that he stays mad while you warp. So, oh nice, yeah, cool. So you rate it having beat it. I highly recommend it. It feels much more like an experiment rather than a a Mario game. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the ideas that they've got going on here, and I'd like to see some of them go into future Mario games, but. Mm. Yeah, as a Mario game itself, it doesn't feel like... It, it feels like an experiment, like they're trying something very different. And safer to pack it in with another game rather than release it on its own merits, I guess. I just feel like they're adding more value. I mean, that worked for Captain Toad. True, very true. <laughs> um, a couple of things this discussion has reminded me. A, I need to go back and finish the second half of Captain Toad. Um, and... Uh, I think this is going to be the year that I actually get around to trying Super Luigi U. Because never played it. Neither. Um, 
I bought it and then I was put off by the uh, idea that you just meant to rush through the levels as quickly as possible. I think I much prefer 3D Mario over 2D Mario. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I in like Andrew famously doesn't want 2D Mario to exist anymore. Um, I don't want that 2D Mario to exist anymore. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but uh, it's like yeah, three 3D world is like the ideal continuation of the 2D ethos even though it's technically 3d do you know what i mean yeah it's just translating it into yeah. 2d it could work as a 2d game as evidenced by the super mario maker theme and uh yeah i, I also really need to get back to mario maker because i criminally didn't play much of the custom stuff I, I did a week of it and then never went back my opinion uh so far promising um my first thought when i booted up was that it didn't look as nice as i was expecting um, and then oh, yeah. I realized why that was as soon as I got out of that first level. And it's just because it's a big open world. Um, the the Bowser fights look a lot nicer, but, you know, they, they load, they take you to a separate arena. Like, I, I can understand that on a technical level, at least. The Yeah, performance-wise, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a little bit of a hitch every now and then when uh, the storm starts. Mm, okay. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that in, in my little play. Uh, but yeah, so far, so good for me. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back to it once I've finished with 3D World. Uh, yeah, so I recommend from Tori, and uh, we'll see from me. Okay, the the last game we're going to talk about is uh, Little Nightmares 2, uh, which uh, I think Andrew was the only one that played the original uh, back in the day, and you, your only complaint with it was length. Um, which I can only imagine means it's short, and that makes me more more interested automatically. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't just the length I was complaining about. It was just how surprised I was at how abrupt the ending was, because uh, it seemed like it was building up to something, and then it just ended. <laughs> so uh, I'm not too sure what happened there. Uh, it It didn't just feel short. It felt unfinished i think was my broader complaint with it Uh, but there was also the complete edition is the version that's out on switch so there's a whole dlc campaign which i think they made uh with the money they made off the sales of the base version of the game that basically doubled the length of the game and made it feel a little more worth its pretty hefty price tag as a 35 dollar 40 game uh 40 dollar game uh, and Little Nightmares 2 is very similar. It's a stealth slash puzzle platformer where you're either solving physics puzzles in a 3D environment, uh, but from a fixed camera angle. Uh, I should probably try to explain that a little better. Uh, you, you can uh, wander around in three dimensions, but everything is fixed from the side angle. So... It's like a 2D game, but you can walk forwards and backwards towards the screen and away from the screen as well as left and right. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of like the old uh, side-scrollers where you've got three three lanes of depth. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, uh, like a beat-em-up game, in fact. But uh, you're not <laughs> beating anybody up and everything is made with polygons. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the entire game is really based around you know being a child in a dark world uh, and you're trying to solve all these puzzles using your basic tool set 
there's no fighting in this game. It's just jumping, running, crawling, and grabbing. Although, actually, they did add some limited combat in this game. I don't remember being in the first one. Uh, but there's an entire sequence where there are these china dolls that are chasing after my character and, and can be an instant game over if they grab me and I'm supposed to grab heavy tools that are in the environment and swing them and smash them if they before they can grab me. It was really hit or miss whether I was going to hit them, even though I used the exact same timing every time. Uh, it was not a great experience there, but uh, just one small section. I got through it. It's fine. And uh, But the, the <laughs> thing the game is really built around is these giant monsters who you can't fight at all. All you can do is sneak by them, or in certain sequences, once they have noticed you, is run from them. And all of these monsters are based on basic childhood fears I've fought. I've not fought. I've uh, dealt with two of them so far. Uh, the game begins in this forest, and eventually you pass through this cabin that's filled with these giant dummies that have been sewn together out of cotton, and they're just mortifying because they just sit there doing nothing, and they're really creepy to look at. And you're expecting one of them to get up and start chasing after you, and they never do. And finally, after sneaking through <laughs> this entire cabin filled with these things, you finally find the creature that is making these things. And it's this old hunter with a shotgun who spends the rest of the chapter chasing you through the forest and trying to shoot at you and you have to you know hide behind a box and then wait for him to fire his gun and then run to the next box uh before while he's reloading and that was a pretty you know bog standard thing i've done that in a lot of games in fact uh, the next level was a lot more interesting the next level is set in a school which has this teacher who has kind of a pleasant face to look at it but it's just kind of off about her and then her neck starts growing and she uses it to spy on her students who are the china dolls <laughs> that i mentioned and if she realizes you're in the area she won't chase after you she'll just grow her neck and start stretching it around walls and around corners and if she sees you she'll just bite you <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> creepy <laughs> Yeah, and the the most memorable part of that was uh, eventually she lost track of me and she got bored and she went off and she started playing this piano quite loudly and I had to solve all these puzzles around her while she was playing piano. I had to like turn this crank to lower a platform and then I had to push this really squeaky noisy ottoman across the floor uh, without her <laughs> noticing me and she would stop playing the piano every now and again to take notes. I guess she's composing the song or something, and she's just changing something on the music sheet in front of her, and I had to stop moving when she did that, otherwise she would hear me and it would be a game over. That was a really cool <laughs> sequence. I really liked it. And that's as far as I've gotten. I, I looked at the How Long to Beat page on this. It says it's a five-hour game, so it seems like it's about as long as the first game was altogether. Uh, so that's a, that's what I wanted out of this. I wanted it to be a more substantial sequel, and hopefully that will be the way I feel about it when I come out the other end, but just looking at other people's play data seems like this is really just more of the same. So if, if you liked the first Little Nightmares, this doesn't really build on it in any way. It's just more monster puzzles. Then you, you might be into it, but it is a little disappointing that they didn't expand on it 
and try to do something new with it versus just this worked before here's here's some more it's, it's really less a sequel than it is an expansion pack it feels like that <laughs> so far but it was it's an expansion pack to a game i liked so I, i'm perfectly happy to finish it looking forward to it nice uh, the piano thing just completely random reminds me of playing Resident Evil 7 in VR and there's this sequence where there's a piano in a room, you go past it a couple of times and then you're coming back for a story thing and it starts playing while you're in the hallway and in VR I'm just like uh oh, like stop dead frozen with fear and then I, I suck it up and I start moving towards the room where the piano is and I very very carefully go to lean around the doorway to, to see what's doing it, and then it just does this really sudden ding on all the keys and stops. Like, utterly crap myself. Um, <laughs> and then you look in and there's nothing there, nothing behind you, but it's just that um, that element of something could happen, but then doesn't, and somehow that's worse, uh, which is <laughs> also ties into what you were saying earlier, where you, you're going through the forest and you, you're waiting for something to happen. It just doesn't. Um, <laughs> That that sort of uh, not not letting you release the tension that you've built up is a <laughs> an interesting uh, technique to use in horror games. So <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, so that's it for everything we've played. Uh, so I think that's it for the episode. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. Well, I'm sorry, but um. Next week, there's an 8-bit retro platformer that I've kept my eye on. <laughs> the year is just front-loaded with these things, and I, the, I'm going to play them. I want to play them, and there's nothing <laughs> really else out that I care to play, so you're just going to have to deal with my interests. Uh, it's called Cathedral, <laughs> and from what I understand of it, uh, it kind of looks like it's an open-world shovel knight. It looks cool. Okay. Uh, uh, I hope it's good. I want to play it. <laughs> cool. And sorry. Uh, well, I want to finish 3D World, but also Persona 5 Strikers comes out this week. I'm very keen for that. Yeah, I'm interested, but I I don't want to commit 40 hours to it at the moment. I, I, was, I talked myself into avoiding it altogether, and then the reviews dropped. Uh, and that was annoying, because they were all positive, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing a game called Door Kickers, uh, which is kind of, how it reads to me, is kind of like a top-down uh, Rainbow Six where you have to plan uh, a SWAT team entering a building to to clear it or to, to save hostages and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it looks like yeah, you actually program the movements of your team you know before it happens then you sort of let it play out and see how well you did which is kind of something that the n64 version of rainbow six did as well you could uh create a path for your your squad mates while you move through with your own agency sort of thing so that that's a, an interesting look at the uh at a tactical kind of uh experience so i'm, I'm keen to try that uh if I get to it, I will also start the Ashen DLC, depends how long it takes me to get through this Mario uh, pack that we're on. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Hey 
Thanks for listening to this episode of In Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. PlayState has uh, an episode they've just recently finished you should be able to listen to right now. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with our lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. And links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon, and the details for both of those are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at PlayCritically, and also read my long-form written reviews at PlayCritically.com. Andy is at Flame Roast Toast on Twitter, and Tori is at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O.